so. I think we'll start with that question. So, um, so we have this mind, okay? The mind has different parts to it. Mind has awareness, right? Just this beingness. But mind also has cognition. You know, so it's like if I look at somebody, I see them, there's an awareness, but then there's also a knowing and an understanding, right? I see this thing and I know what it is. Um, then the mind also has like a reflexive quality where the mind can also look at the mind. So in terms of like when you're thinking, thoughts are mental things, right? Thoughts are made of minds. But simultaneously, the mind is like listening to those thoughts. So it's almost like when you're dreaming, you're like in the dream, your mind is creating the dream, but you're also in the dream, kind of navigating through it at the same time. So the mind has the ability to kind of create the, the object, but then also observe the object, right? So it can kind of break into pieces like that, I guess. Um, so what I would say, the difference between mindfulness and meditation is mindfulness it's just the tool of learning how to direct the awareness of the mind um, to the place that you would like it to go. So if you're doing meditation, like we do in this class, and it's meditation on the breath, you put your mindfulness on the breathing. The, um, the Pali, which is like close to Sanskrit, the word for mindfulness, it's sati. And sati at the time also meant to remember. So it's like this quality of memory. So you'll notice when you're meditating, you'll be sitting here and you know, thinking about your grocery list or whatever. And then you'll remember, oh yeah, I'm meditating. And then the mind goes back to where you wanted the mind to be. So one could say that actually the thing that holds the mind to the object, it's remembering that that's where you want your mind to be. Uh, if you were diffusing a bomb, you probably would not be thinking of the grocery list because at every moment your mind is remembering this thing can blow me up if I don't do this right. right? And that adds that urgency to it. Meditation is when the mindfulness has been left on an object long enough that the entire mind starts to collect around that object and that the mind even starts to unify with that object by itself, right? So mindfulness leads to meditation. When you put your mind onto the breath and then it stays there for a while, the mind starts to collect around that. So that collection process of the mind is the meditation itself. So we can say the mindfulness is kind of like the, the directive side. You're directing it where you want it to go, like a flashlight. You're shining it where you want it to go. And the meditation is when then the mind collects fully around that thing and even kind of sinks into that thing, then that would be the meditation. So for doing this with kids, this is the question. So I've done this with kids a lot. I've gone into schools, meditated in classrooms, over the intercoms, but with teachers too. Yeah. So with kids, and you know, it's similar to adults, I think. I think kids and adults actually have very similar minds in a lot of ways, but kids don't have as much as a filter in expressing it. 
So kids are just running around doing all this crazy stuff and the adults are just sitting there. But if you were to look at their minds, their minds are both equally crazy and active, right? So when I've done this with kids, I've really just tried to level with them on that place and say, like, hey, we're going to try something weird and different. And, um, you know, here's what it is. Here's meditation. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you do it. I'm going to guide you through it. I use my bell often right at the beginning. So I have them close their eyes, and then I ring my bell and just listen to the bell. That usually curtails any giggling outbreaks that happen right away, because now it's just about listening. So it's not that awkward silence. And then I guide them through a body relaxation, and then feel the space of the room, feel the breath, leave them there for five minutes, and then bring them back. And uh, it's good if you do it regularly with kids, because the first time or a couple times, maybe it's awkward or this or that. But uh, eventually the kids start to ask for it. They'll come in and they'll say, can we do this? This felt good. Can we? And then it becomes a self-kind of generating thing. Yeah. But um, to answer, I guess, another group of questions, which is about when you're meditating and you've noticed that your mind is thinking or your mind is always thinking, <clears throat> I like that you realize that your mind gets lost in thoughts more strongly when you're tired that's like, I want to say to you, fact. When you are tired, when the mind is tired, the mind is weak. When your mind is tired, your mind is weak. When the mind is weak, a weak mind is a scattered mind. <clears throat> like a weak hose, right? <clears throat> if you're spraying a hose, like that mist function, it's like, shh, it's kind of like weak. If you concentrate that function, it's boom, it hits, it's hard, right? So when the mind is scattered, the mind is weak. And when the mind is weak, the mind is scattered. So if you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you're going through something emotional, uh, the mind will be jumping all around because the mind is weak. And when I used to go to the monastery and I'd meditate every morning at, you know, five in the morning, the days that I was really tired, the mind, no chance. No chance of really calming down. The mind would just be running around. That's something to observe and understand versus trying to change. Um, When I was outside here, I see all these like portraits the kids drew. There's like a lot of self-portraits in the hallway. And I could imagine that the kids were thinking like, oh, mine is good or mine is bad. Right? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, mine's not that good. You know, the judgments we put on things. And if I were to ask, well, what does good or bad mean? Because I think they all look fine. It's, oh, well, it doesn't look enough like me, right? So in that sense, good means like how close to reality that picture is. Yeah, that means good. So the same way, like when we meditate, we're often thinking, is this a good meditation or not? We often put that same judgment like we put on anything, like kids are already putting on pictures, like what we put on things, is this good or not good? How did I do? How am I doing? Comparisons. For meditation, I would say that it's really unhelpful, really not helpful, Um, because the mind is always in a different place. 
some days you wake up and you feel great and you're on vacation and on top of a mountain somewhere and you walk outside and you have these rolling hills and these clouds in front of you and wow, and you sit down and you close your eyes and you drop into this beautiful, cool meditation. Wow, it felt so good. Ah, I'm totally alive. You know, and other days, like you'll get home and like you're tired and beat and you have like an ache in your body and you have like bills to pay and maybe like kids or people are like trying to get your attention or you have like in the middle of a fight with your partner, like something's going on. Um, or you're depressed or whatever and you sit down to meditate and you just feel like a big heavy log and nothing's really working and your mind's just blah fantasizing thinking singing songs remembering movies or whatever and then you come back and you're like what was that all about and I want to again just stress the fact that the the whole initial part of meditation it's learning just to be with the mind wherever it is that's like number one function learn how just to be with the mind whatever's going on and you'll start to find also that when you can just be with the mind it is slowing down all by itself even if it doesn't seem like it i've had many meditations where i've sat and the whole time my mind was just kind of going 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 and i came out of it and then I kind of walked out into the world and everything was really noisy and busy and loud. I was like, oh, okay, my mind is actually more still than I thought it was. So the, the busyness of the mind that you're watching, so again, this um, metaphor, simile that I use all the time, it's, right, when you're stirring that pot of water and you pull out the spoon, the water keeps spinning. That's what's going on is that you're now sitting down to meditate. You're taking a passive observer awareness of the mind and then the mind's karma the momentum that you've created is now playing out in front of you right so one of my teachers Achim Brahm he often would say to people that said this that their mind was really busy before or during the meditations he would say to them well the question isn't how to meditate differently he would always say well my question is what were you doing before the meditation because quite often the quality of our meditation it's very linked to how we've been living, to how we've been using our minds. If I went to McDonald's right now and had a hamburger and a soda, supersized soda and fries, and I sat down to meditate, I would just feel really heavy and kind of groggy and sleepy, right? Because my body's trying to like digest this really hard to break up stuff in my body, right? And then I might say, oh, I can't meditate, right? Oh, I'm a failure at meditation, where it's like, no, it's, that's the McDonald's. That's why I don't eat McDonald's. Like, you know. For instance, right? Or if you just got in a huge unresolved fight with somebody, you sit down to meditate, what's going to happen? You're going to be feeling that and reliving it and thinking about it. It's going to be spinning around. And you're going to want to clear your mind, but it's going to keep popping back up. Right? Which is why for myself, like I always try to resolve things with people right away when I can, because I don't like carrying extra emotional baggage around. It's just something that I've learned over my years is just self-love actually means making sure I resolve things as quick as possible so I'm not carrying around unresolved stuff with me. I would think about it more like a pyramid and I'd say kind of like at the base of the pyramid has to do with living your daily life in a way that you feel good about yourself that you feel good that you don't have like a lot of attachments resentments like stuff that's disturbing your mind and when you have that that foundation set 
then the mind naturally starts to feel calm, feels happy, feels harmonious. And then when you sit to meditate, it's easier for the mind to drop into those deeper places. And when the mind drops into those deeper places, the mind starts to see itself in the subtle levels. And this is where these really deep realizations about the nature of mind happen. So it's not just the realizations like you're sitting here and you say, oh God, you know, I, I always get mad at other cars when I'm in traffic, but it's just because I'm irritated. Eureka. You know, that's like the lower level realizations where you're, you're understanding how your emotional patterns and things work. But the higher level realizations is when reality itself starts to shift and maybe the sense of duality fades away or willpower fades away or the sense of I in the middle of all of this fades away. And it's, uh, it's kind of like the, the big eureka moment. I'd say in computers, there's hardware and software. So the software, it's like the programs running on the computer. So when you start to meditate, you start clearing up the programs, dumping off the useless programs, like the iPhone, right? Like sweeping away the ones, like the apps that you're not using, right? To free up some space, right? So you solve all the software stuff going on. But then when you get deeper into meditation, you get into the hardware that you start to get into the actual fabric of the mind, the structural makeup of the mind. It's not about the stuff running around in it. It's the actual mind itself starts to come under scrutiny and starts to break up and transform. And that's like these really high level realizations that's kind of at the other end of this. Um, so, you know, if you feel already in your life happy and peaceful and content and stuff, um, rather than saying, oh, well, you're already happy, don't bother meditating, I would say to that person, you have an amazing foundation to go really deep and penetrate into the nature of reality, you know? Um, so at any level that you're at, whether you're, you know, just a total mess in your life or whether you're super happy and kind of on it, either one, either way, you're going to gain, you can benefit. There's something to do and to see and a path to go down, I would say. So what for me is really important, and this is really hard to kind of explain, that in meditation, again, you have to take off your judgment about how I'm doing, how I'm not doing good or bad, right and wrong, uh, failure, success, all those judgments. You have to learn how to kind of peel all that stuff off of your practice and just be with yourself however it is. When I meditate, whether I sit here and I drop really deep into a peaceful place, whether I sit here and my mind's kind of like thinking about things or it's tired, I just meditate and then I get up and I just keep going. I don't think about it. I don't think, oh, this isn't really working or it's not good. I just do it. And that's enough. Um, but on top of that, you do start to learn. It's like the riding the bike example that I've given. And maybe we'll even say it, instead of riding a bike, we'll say like standing on a ball. All right, it's like even a better way to say it. So it's like you're trying to stand on a ball. So this big ball, you kind of go to stand on that ball and you kind of slip and you fall off. And you kind of go to stand on the ball and you slip off of that side and you fall, right? And you kind of go and you slip and you fall. And it's like you kind of see what's working and what's not working and you kind of start to learn how to slowly get on that ball, how to kind of balance on it, then kind of slowly how to put down one foot and the other foot. And then maybe you slip again and then you kind of get back on it. And you kind of keep working at it and figuring it out until you kind of find this balance within it. And 
it's not like if you come in and you go to the ball and you kind of slip off it's like oh i'm a failure it's like no you just are learning how to do it you're learning how to get there but also there will be some days that you'll just be in whatever weird space you're in that like it doesn't work that well for you that you'll try to do your balancing thing and it kind of won't work so well you know and other days you'll just be on it and you'll just get in there and boom you'll be able to stand right up and there is a learning process involved so i it's hard as like a meditation teacher to talk about this because on one hand it's important to strip away the judgments which are heavy self-defeating uh destructive to the practice and the process is to judge yourself but simultaneously there is something called progress right i know for myself when i sit down to meditate every single time i can drop in even if i'm sitting there and there's thoughts and stuff going on i can get peaceful every single time i meditate and that was not always the case i've learned how to do that so there is an actual learning process to do there is a place to go and something to get to and simultaneously any efforts to kind of get there or get yourself out of here are already kind of counterproductive or you're, it's easy to miss the point it's easy to try to willpower yourself there or force yourself there or think you're not doing it right or not good enough. Um, so it's this really kind of weird thing where I then have realized just the best instruction to give is just to talk about the process. To not talk so much about the levels and stages and states of meditation and all of this, but just to say, here's the process. And the process is just learning how to observe, just to be present with what's there, to relax, to allow, to accept start softening up the mind opening up your experience allowing things to be like they are right slowly kind of just um i mean i use the word letting go a lot which is i don't know if that's like too cliche of a word for people to really work with anymore but more than letting go it's really just this process of you know if we're talking about physics Right? If I were to roll something across the ground, eventually it would stop. Right? Why does it stop? So is this like Newtonian physics, right? That an object will continue, a force will continue until it's acted upon by an equal and opposite force, then it can stop. When I roll a ball across the ground, why does it stop? It's because of the friction it's building up on the ground, right? So the ball's rolling, and because of that friction, it slowly comes to a stop. If you push a ball in space, it just goes forever. Right, push it on the ground, it would come to a stop because of the friction. So the mind, as a physics problem, the mind is running around, it's rolling. Yeah, so what brings the mind to a stop? What is the friction of the mind? Yeah, it's presence, it's awareness, beingness. The more that you are just being with the mind, not participating in the mind, but witnessing the mind, being with it, allowing it to be contentment, just being with what's there and it's okay like it is. That's what eventually slows the mind down because the mind needs you to think with it. It needs you to be an active participant in the mind. If you're not actively thinking with it, actively going with it, trying to solve and resolve, trying to get out of this present moment in any way, um, you know, you're going with the mind. You have to let that stuff go. You have to just let yourself totally be here and also really trust. This is like a trust thing, a faith thing. 
this is almost like the religious side, right? You have to believe that if I just do nothing, everything will be okay. If I really just allow myself to be here with the mind, to observe it, to let go, to watch, yeah, to feel like there's nothing else to do, there's nothing I want to do, right? Let go of your wanting. If I can just be here, if you can trust that happiness, stillness is available in this moment, if I just believe it, if I allow myself to believe there's nothing to do, and then the mind starts thinking, you're like, see, I knew there was something to do. And then you start thinking, right? Then you start stirring it up again, right? So you'll sit here and the mind will go. And then you'll sati, you'll remember. Oh, yeah, meditating. And then the mind will come back into the present moment. And you'll be here in this room, in this body. And then again, the mind will go up and you'll be caught up in something. And then there'll be this memory. And then you're back. Yeah? And the mind will go off. Suddenly there's a memory. You'll come back. And the more that you just practice this, and again, for the longer amounts of time, the mind will start to remember, become familiar with this process. And the mind will find quicker and easier ways to come back. And also, when it comes back, it'll slowly start to take hold and take root here. Yeah, it's the slow process of the mind retraining. It's like a dog, right? It wants to run off. And you're, no, sit. And it goes, sit. No, sit. And it's retraining, 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 retraining the mind until the mind can just sit and it knows, okay. And then you give the mind a treat, you know? Oh, that was nice, thank you. Good job, you're doing great. Peacefulness, relaxation, easiness. Yeah, that it's, it's like a positive reinforcement because the more that you become relaxed and peaceful and still, the better it feels. And that's, I've talked about this before, that meditation picks up traction when it starts to feel good. And that's almost the place that I feel like I'm just trying to get everybody to, from complete newbie beginner to the place where it feels good to sit. If you can get to that place where it feels good to sit, then you're all set. Because that's what's gonna carry you farther and deeper. When it feels good, then it's just gonna go by itself. Yeah? But if we're sitting here and we're thinking, or like we don't know, or we said about last time, like checking, like the time and stuff like this, like how long it was, right? That if you're sitting here and there's any part of you that like doesn't really want to be doing this or thinks you're not doing it right or there's something wrong or I have leg pain or I'm bored or this or that, any of that kind of energy of like something's wrong or this is wrong or I don't like or like this resistance, aversion, like all that energy, like that just sinks your ship, right? Because that's also the energy that all day long you're carrying around. That's the energy all day long that's you have to keep doing stuff and being busy and you're dissatisfied with things and you want the best things but then even it's not really what you wanted and, and people just get exhausted because they're running around all day trying to feed that discontentment which is just like a black hole you know so this is really this practice space this place to practice learning how just to be here and feel okay being here and learning how to be okay with noises outside noises in your head Noises in your belly, you know, whatever is going on. Step one, learning how just to be with it, learning that it's all fine, it's all okay, I'm just going to be here. And then, really slowly, once you're more able to be here, then it's like, and now how can I even enjoy being here? How can this even feel good? How can I sit down and meditate and say, ah, thank God, time for my meditation? Whew, you know, finally get to put everything down and just be with me for a little while. Finally, give the mind a rest. That same feeling like you get into bed at night and you're like, ah, finally. 
you know, that same, like, ah, I can just let go and be here. That's what I feel like every time I meditate. I'm so happy. I'm like, oh, okay, I just don't have to talk anymore. I don't have to think about anything. I just put it all down. You know, it feels great. It really feels great. And, um, and that's kind of the point. That's the place to get to. And even if I'm like, oh, okay, good, and I sit, and then the mind's still thinking about stuff, it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's just the mind. That's not me. I don't care. Right? So I even let that go. If the meditation's not, right, quote-unquote good, doesn't represent what I want it to represent, doesn't go where I want it to go, I don't care because I'm here to rest. You know, I do enough work in my daily life. Life is hard enough already, you know. Yeah, prove me wrong, right? Life is hard enough already for everybody. Yeah, so just rest. Use this meditation as a time to rest. And even if you get tired, if you fall asleep, fine. That means you're tired. You know, that means you're probably running yourself ragged all day long. Yeah, and then it's okay if you start meditating and you nod off. No problem. And you nod it off, then you retire. You know? And also, like, maybe you're meditating at a time that your body's tired. If you meditate right after a meal, if you meditate, meditate between, you know, like 2 and 3 p.m. every day when the body's biorhythm is down. If you're meditating before you go to bed at night. Yeah. Or if you're one of those people that like wakes up, drinks the coffee, gets all like hyper and does all this stuff, you know, and like, like stirs the pot incredibly fast to be able to get through the day properly. And then you give yourself a moment to stop. You're going to expect one of two results. One is that you're going to be watching the pot spinning at an incredible speed in front of you. The other result is you're going to crash because you're giving yourself a moment to stop. And suddenly you're like, holy shit, I'm actually exhausted. I'm actually forcing myself. I'm willpowering myself through my life. And that's exhausting. Yeah, so again, it comes back to what was I doing before the meditation? What is going on? Yeah, that when I sit, it's not really where I want it to be. So I would again say that for the meditation today, let's pay special attention simply to the sati, to the remembering part. So I would say that when we sit today in meditation, allow your mind to wander wherever it wants to wander to. Okay, give yourself the get out of jail free card, right? So whatever you want to do, it's fine. My only stipulation <clears throat> is don't think with it. Yeah, that the, you'll be sitting here, the mind will go off, it'll do its thing. And then the moment that you realize you're thinking, just be back here. And you'll see the mind going off again, and then the mind will just be back here. Up, Sati. Oh, yeah, I remember this moment. Yeah, and it'll go off. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so you're not forcing the mind back here. You're not pushing it. You're not flagellating yourself for not doing it right or good enough or hard enough. It's just that process of, it's like not noting. Like, up, oh, the mind just returned. You just note it. Oh, I'm back. And the mind will be off all by itself, and the mind comes back all by itself. Up, oh, I'm back again. And each time you're back, you just realize, oh, I'm back. Oh, I'm back. Okay, relaxing, breathing, sinking in. The mind goes off. The mind's back up. It's back. Okay. And that's it. Just staying there. And if the mind goes the whole time, and then I ring the bell, and then the mind comes back, you can, okay, it's back now. You know. I think there's some apps like that, right, that they have, like, a guided meditation, and every, like, five minutes they'll hit the bell once. So that like you keep hearing the bell and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, right? It's like, it's like pulling on the leash of the dog, like 
stay, 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 you know. Is that okay? Ish? Yeah. You sure can. Okay. Yeah. So from the Buddhist standpoint, yeah, so I was a monk for eight years. So I lived in the Sangha. I lived in a community of other monks and nuns. We practiced. Um, the Buddha actually said, he called them the triple jewels. And he said the triple jewels are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So the Buddha is the kind of one who received the teachings, who sees, oh, okay, I have something to say. The Dharma is the teachings themselves. And then the Sangha, it's the community who receives that and practices it. Um, because of the Sangha, we are sitting here in meditation class today. Because there's been an unbroken line of people practicing this from the time of the Buddha that passed it all the way down to me and now to you guys. Right? So the Sangha, it's, <clears throat> it's like the vessel to receive and it's also the vessel to connect and then also to pass on into the future. If there's teachings but nobody to listen or practice, then those teachings are gone, right? So the other side of Sangha is that it's kind of like you have many eyes. So if you're talking to other people in this class, for instance, afterwards or something, and you're talking about meditation, you both have new understandings that when you share, you'll learn from each other, right? So they said in the monastery, it's like if you try to wash a a bucket of potatoes, if you wash them one by one, it takes a long time, but if you just pour water into the bucket and shake the bucket, the potatoes wash each other through, through that friction. So there's also the other side that just through like communication and contact to other people who are practicing, it naturally pushes you forward because you're surrounding your field with other minds and energies moving in the direction you want to move in. Um, so Sangha, I would say, is very important. Um, and if anybody wants to give you their email afterwards, if you want to collect emails from people, you know, then you can just ask and people can say yes or no, whatever. Um, I'm also doing an eight-week class right after this. This is Next week is the last class on Thursdays, and then right up the next week I'm starting Tuesdays. Tuesday nights, everybody. Starting Tuesdays, and I'm doing an eight-week class here. So this is also going to continue then as like a two-month block afterwards. So, yeah, that's there. And, and it's true. I mean, I think a lot of people might also just come here to learn for themselves and to have that time for themselves and they go back home. So also for Sangha, it needs to be a group that's interested to connect <laughs> and share as well, right? And, um, and I even actually know a group in Acton that sits... Wednesdays at, um, we've talked about this, like the, the church, one of the churches. And I'm going to be doing a six-week series there also on Wednesday nights for six weeks coming up. Um, so if you're connected to me on Facebook, I don't know, but Seth Monk on Facebook, 
Um, I'm going to post that that people can also go on that. Their group has been meeting for a, a while and they talk a little bit more too. So that that's more of like a sangha, whereas this is like a six, you know, a couple week class and people come and then everyone goes off and some people kind of stay on for another round. But um, a lot of people just kind of go off in their own directions. Like they receive what they needed and then they go. So a sangha, you'd want to find people that are also practicing regularly, that it's really an integrated part of their lives and that they want to kind of do that with others and share that, yeah, and be part of it. So if that helps, yeah. <clears throat>